are tuned into the Soul Sense Podcast. We're back for another one and another one and another one. Well, this is Kim and I have my trusty wingman, Melvin. Howdy, howdy. And we're back, guys. And you know what? First off, before we get into what we're going to talk about, what's going on, Melvin? What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> what's going on baby <laughs> uh, uh yeah um nothing I, <laughs> nothing at all life um, life yeah life, just life. Life, life i have uh i have been put to the i've been getting pledged by my kids <laughs> this week mm-hmm. um and yeah man it has been a i'm 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 pretty I'm a pretty patient guy, typically. Um, and, like, for example, whenever we have something over our house, uh, I'm typically the person that will take all the kids and, you know, keep them occupied, let them run around. Because, not because I'm so great with kids, but because I just have a, a pretty high tolerance for uh, just insanity. So I don't mind getting them all together and now I'll still keep I don't let them run wild I I I'm, can keep them corralled and all that kind of stuff and I don't mind you go to timeout okay now it's your turn to come out now this that and the other typically it doesn't bother me at all um and especially when there's other people kids because ultimately I know that it's only going to be for you know a few hours but uh man this week this week, man, has been a doozy. Um, we actually, it seemed like we've reversed roles because I'm the one that's like, hey, I need some help here. <laughs> but I've been just as patient and as cool as a cucumber. You weren't cool last night, fool. You left me out. But anyway, uh, <laughs> my daughter um, has been, uh, we have mentioned before, like the, if you don't got kids, man, people who got kids will know that putting the kids to bed, it maybe it just can a, be a fight. It can be a fight, man. It uh, you know, my daughter historically, man, she has gone to bed without many problems. Um, I mean, of course, no nobody, no kid want to go to bed, but once we say, "Hey, it's bedtime," it it's not typically a a big deal. No. Um, but here lately, she has been. Uh, now we had a three day weekend. Which you know, she's just up partying, living life, uh, and I ain't yeah. gonna lie. I try to keep, we try to keep her up so yeah. she sleep in. But she yeah, we does. those type of parents. See, we be trying to think smarter, not harder. So we're like, okay, if we want to sleep in, that means we got to keep the oldest up a little bit at night so she can sleep in. But it don't never work. No, not really. It never works. One day it's going to, I believe. Well, what I told her on Saturday, what was it, Saturday or Monday, Sunday, I was like, listen, I'm going to keep you up. You can stay up, kick it with me. But when you, when it's in, in the morning time, I don't want to, he- don't you come in there and wake us up. If you come down, just come on down and, and chill out. You know, she's like, well, what if I want to watch cartoons? I leave the remote control. <laughs> you grab the remote and you turn on cartoons. And matter of fact, it'll probably be on Cartoon Network because that's what Daddy watch at night. So you can uh, go ahead and watch your cartoons and, and relax. Just don't wake us up, you know. 
and she actually did pretty. She woke she, me up. Yeah. But uh, typically on Saturday, that's when I sleep in. Yeah, I normally get up and uh, make breakfast and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but anyway, back uh, I digress. So this week she has been. Uh, first off, I had to take her to a, a eye doctor appointment. <laughs> And they had to dilate her eyes with these eye drops. And she is wilding out, man. I don't know what's going like, on. I mean, outrageous. And I'm already starting to just get frustrated. <laughs> like, come on, baby. Like, what are you doing? There's just, you don't even know. At least let them put some eye drops in to see if it hurts. Then you can go wild. But you ain't never had an eye drop in your eye before. Why are you wilding out? Mm. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, she she just was ah you could you tell me from your point of view Kimberly well you know what honestly I think you did good that day he's been really holding it together very well because <laughs> that day so you know you got her from school and you had to take her over to the next town for her eyes because there's not a whole lot of pediatric eye doctors that was the closest one to us so he did that. You brought her home. Did you pick up the baby too? I mean, you were doing a lot that like you got food or you did a lot. No, you bathed her and you read with her. You did the homework with her. And I went and got the baby. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you just was suited and booted. And I was like, wow, like he's just look at him. And then- I made the I made the eye doctor appointment. Now, to some people, this may not seem like a lot, <coughs> but uh Kimberly is like our uh, our caretaker. I don't I don't make no I, no appointments, no none of that. But I've been trying to get better because literally, it's if, a lot. Yeah, I don't do I don't even be thinking about it. And she was just going through this list of things that she had to do, and I was like, why am I just sitting here listening to this list? I could easily pick up the phone and and make some calls and try to get this stuff together. And so I did. We didn't talk about it, and but I, it just one of those things where I thought to myself, like, you know what, you could you could just do this, and even though y'all don't talk about it, it's gonna at least take a little bit off of her. And uh, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and I didn't even tell you, but um, it was. I thought it was three fifteen. And uh, I thought the point was it was at two fifteen. Yeah, I I told you it was at two fifteen. Oh, well, I thought it was at three fifteen. You, <laughs> I just thought I was gonna be super early. I was trying to be an hour early just because I know how I could get. But anyway, <laughs> so that's the first crying. And then at night, she has just been coming downstairs like we had a, a meeting uh, with our uh, small group at church. And it was a conference call. And uh, hey, whoever else ain't on that conference call game, you got to do it, man. But anyway, uh, conference call, and she's coming down like every five seconds. And she got this little stuffed animal called Lammy. It's mm. got this little shaky bell in mm. it. And I hear that bell, man. And it's like the Friday the 13th. Uh, <laughs> call, 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 call. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, what? What is going on? It is. On? It puts you on edge when you hear it. Yeah. <laughs> And then the two, she did this two nights in a row where she is just, I come out and she is crying. Like I hear, I hear, 
her crying, I mean bawling in one room, and then my baby bawling in another. Screaming. And I'm like, man, what's going on? She's like, I'm just so scared. And then she did it again last night. And like, I ain't going to lie, y'all. Like, I first was a little bit, probably not, I don't know how to handle those type of things. You know what I mean? Mm. And I'm like, girl, if you don't stop and get up here and go to bed. And then I started to see like, hey, she actually is kind of scared. And she's like, she can get something in her mind and it just keeps building and building and building. And to the point, like it could start out, I don't want to go to bed. So I'm going to. Say I'm scared. Right. But it can keep on building to the fact point that it is just real. But the thing is, I don't know. I don't know if she really scared. And I don't know if, well, I do know is she is crying crazy. And I go up, walk her upstairs, and I have a conversation with her. And it turned out good. But still, man, it has just been, man, I don't, I, I, I was like, man, I, I kind of want to square up with this little girl. <laughs> And I felt that way a couple times. Like, I mean, let's just go ahead and shoot a fair one. And I don't think that I would win um, because I'm a broken man. But, yeah, man. Like, it it, it was not my finest hours, folks. Not hey, my finest hours. Hey, sometimes you have to throw in your flag and just be like, you know what, I'm going to try better later. Because I'm going to tell you, I done had plenty of weeks that was me. We've just, cause it's just so funny because like typically you're the, you're the level headed one. And I always tell Melvin, it's so funny to me because, <laughs> because we've been together for so long. Like we know each other's like nonverbal cues. Like I think he can tell when I'm starting to like, like I'm a little teapot and I, I'm here. I get all steamed up here. Me shout. Like, I feel like you can tell when I'm like building up and I can tell it seems like nobody else can tell, but I can tell when he is mad, when he is frustrated, when he's irritated, because he doesn't come out and just, it doesn't come out. It's like the tension in his <laughs> face. I can tell like, okay, are you okay? You know, and nobody notices it, but it's so obvious to me. I mean, like to a point where I don't even know if your mom even notices it. Cause I could tell it. I could, I could tell too. It's like, but you know, that's what happens when you're married. You got those intimate cues with each other. So, but I think you did fine. It's the weekend now. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we did have a good, uh, holiday weekend. We did. It was Labor Day. So we had a good family time just chilling and being together and stuff. I feel like I haven't really, we hadn't, how, how's your, uh, how was the week? Did you, how was getting back to work? Was it? Actually, this this week has been really good. You know, I typically only work four days a week, but with the holiday, I worked three days and I was back in the territory that I typically work in. And and so that made me happy because I'm familiar with that area. And so it was actually a really good week. I, I can't even I can't even complain. I think the drama was more so on your end this week. Yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. Okay. But, you know, hey, what can you do? Yeah, I know. Parenthood, the tales of parenthood. So, yeah. anywho, so this week we are going to do another hot topic. <laughs> That's not like hot pocket. 
I'm sorry, guys. Boo. <laughs> I like that. Hot topic. <laughs> if y'all haven't caught, Kimberly is trying her best to insert uh, theme music into this podcast. And I'm doing my best to ignore it. <laughs> we don't have to insert it. I'll be the music. <laughs> So anyways, because you know, okay, let me tell y'all something about myself. I can sing all day, every day, just in regular conversation. I a lot of me and my sorority sisters is like a group of us. Like that's all we used to do back in the day was just sing a tune. And so it's nothing. I can do it all by myself. But anyways, back to our subject at hand, it, we're going to discuss uh, a hot topic right about now. And um, we the last hot topic we spoke about was immigration. And um, as we were thinking about what we we're going to talk about this week, it is so apparent what's going. I mean, there's lots of hot topics, but one of the controversial, popular things that's being talked about now is this new Nike ad that came out with Colin Kaepernick. And then, of course, there's been a lot of people who are so upset with Nike. People have been burning their <laughs> their uh, clothes. They've been cutting the Nike swoosh off their socks. And, of course, the story of Colin Kaepernick has been revisited about why he is such a controversial figure right now, especially in sports and just in the climate that we're in. So we wanted to talk about that. We wanted to get some gain some perspective. Um, we want to talk about some scriptures and basically let y'all in just, you know, me and Melvin, one of the things that we just kind of do just have been doing for many years is, you know, we just kind of throw around conversations. I guess many people sit and talk with their spouses about things, their partners, roommates, whatever. And uh, we just want to kind of invite you guys in on a conversation. We, we, uh, haven't really talked a lot about this just in the, as you know, off the mic, but so we just wanted to talk about it here. And, for the record, just to make sure that, you know, we're not talking about things that we don't know about, I made sure to do some research. And um, so I do have some facts that I'm going to read off. Um, but let's just open up and let me ask you a question, Melvin. Drop it on me. What did you think about that Nike ad? Like, where were some of the emotions that were evoked? I mean, the memes that have been coming out. And all of that. So, I thought the ad itself. I mean, I'm not. I'm not easily impressed by like. Uh, I get why Nike did it. Mm -hmm. So let me first say that. Like, first off, uh, I think uh, from a business. So let me talk from a business point of view. Like if I put my my business hat on, I think that um, people who, from a business standpoint, oh, so first thing we got, I, I believe, is that a harsh, a hard reaction on either side mm -hmm. is not genuine, mm -hmm. right? Especially when it comes to these business, uh, like these billion dollar businesses, mm -hmm. um, they don't, they don't have a a dog in the fight mm -hmm. really either way. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say the NFL, mm -hmm. 
um, they they don't really care. Like, like either they're, way. they're portraying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't care. They, mm-hmm. they don't really care because all of these people have billions of dollars that they could use to be lobbying. And in our country right now, we have a huge, just like there is a problem with um, improper policing, Mm -hmm. there's also a problem with improper uh, equipping of police officers. Mm -hmm. Like police officers got to work like overtime, you know, just to to make a decent living Mm -hmm. a lot of times. Um, so they could be, if they really felt that way, each of these NFL teams are, are in cities and they could really be put, if they could push the ta- push the local government to give them a billion dollars to build, I mean, well, maybe not a billion, but a yeah. hundred million dollars <laughs> to build a stadium. Mm-hmm. They could definitely use that, that power to push the, the local government to, raise the you know to raise the pay standards for police officers mm-hmm. right like they could use that same thing that to to do that so if they really cared then they would be doing those things or with Colin Kaepernick kneeling they really cared and they felt like hey this is disrespecting the troops and whatever else then they have enough national clout to uh make a big deal out of some of the injustices that are going on with our soldiers when they come home. Like we got homeless soldiers yeah. everywhere. Like yeah. people who, you know, we know, you know, I know personally people who have come back. Her dad helps people out. Um, he's a, a veteran. A Vietnam vet. My dad and, is. And uh, t- I sit and talk to him and he tells me stories about people who he's had to help to get their benefits together that if he would not have helped them, you know, they were having trouble getting the basic necessities. And these are guys who came back with like Agent Orange and different type of things like that. And but anyway, these there are there are a lot of things way before Colin Kaepernick knelt that could have been addressed if this is a big deal for you, um, especially you're a billion dollar company. So and vice versa. Nike, they could have been donating money to to schools and uh, th- there's a lot of different things that you could do. So all of that goes to say that I feel like it's a, both of these people are gambling on what they feel like They're is going to uh, make fiscal like yeah. business sense. Yeah. And what I, the bottom dollar yeah, is. And I personally think the NFL is gambling down the wrong tree, man. They're like pandering to a non-existent, base right Mm -hmm. but because eventually people are going to figure out because i because i do think people are are genuinely upset and they feel like it's disrespectful to truth but ultimately this is going to fade away Mm -hmm. um like that that height in in when we look back on this 30 years from now it's going to be just like the way we look back at you know the civil rights movement and the women's suffrage movement and all those kind of things. And somebody's going to be on one side of history or the other, but even more, your Nike is going to make a lot of money Yeah, because of this, yep. a lot of money. So just from a business sense, 
I thought it 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 just was very logical mm-hmm. to put yourself at on the opposite of especially since they're a sponsor of the NFL. I I don't think Adidas doing it would be smart, but Nike definitely. So that's just from a business point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have. I, I like the the sentiment of it um, about being willing to to give up everything, you mm-hmm. know, to sacrifice everything for what you believe in. Um, I think a lot of times these commercials and and can just kind of pander, like push a a shallow message. I think that if you get past whether you agree or disagree with the topic at hand, um, there's a lot of value in in that sentiment. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. But I still I thought it was a cheesy commercial, mm-hmm. but I thought the the sentiment was good. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think the commercial. First off, you got to know that I'm a I'm a feeler, kind of like an empath. So, like, I can, I just feel people. And so, I like the commercial because if you notice throughout the commercial, it was pointing out people who had faced adversity, you know, whether it'd been just in their natural life or it's been because of, you know, the cards that they were dealt and they overcame. Um, you know, they had the one little 16 year old boy who, um, was a refugee, but helped his soccer team win a championship. Of course they had LeBron James on there who it could very well just stay in his lane and be a basketball player. And like the journalist said that he just should just bounce a ball. But as we all know that LeBron is doing a lot for the underserved population in in his community that he grew up into by opening up a school and then you got Serena Williams who I mean to me it's just like I just love Serena I just love her but you know here she is like she's like a freak of nature like she can do it all you know what I'm saying and people have been criticizing her and her family for years and so they they highlighted these people who even in the face of adversity they still are rising and then of course at the end you see that it's being narrated by Colin Kaepernick Colin Kaepernick and um and yes he has lost a lot by his stance in all of this so the commercial to me I did like the commercial um I did I I mean I'll just be honest with you about it so go ahead let's I'm gonna I'm gonna splice the commercial in uh but uh I'm listening I'm gonna I'm looking at it yeah maybe I need to watch it again did you watch the full one because there were a couple of snippet ones out there that w- there was one where they're like, he didn't say anything. It was like a little small one. And then there was like an, a more, a longer one. And then at the end he turns around and says something. So it was. Okay. So let's listen to this commercial. Okay. You can talk while I'm doing it. Okay. So I'm going to give you guys some facts Um, because I wanted to make sure before we talked about anything that I came up on here and I actually was not talking from opinion or what I perceived this situation to be, but I wanted to speak on, you know, what the facts are so we can make an educated 
decision or make an edu- or have an educated stance. And um, so let me just give you some facts first. So all of this started from uh, this started back in 2016. And to refresh everyone's memory, um, you know, for the last couple of years, our country has been um, it has been coming out on social media with the with the camera phones and our phones. A lot of uh, brutality, people being killed and mistreated by um, police officers. There's been a number of deaths that have been caught on phones um, from Mike Brown's uh, being Mike Brown being shot to Alton Sterling to Philando Castile. Um, and, and the list goes on and on. There's there's been many people. If you Google that, you can find many people. But those are like the big ones, you know, that sparked a lot of, you know, upset. So Colin Kaepernick uh, played for the 49ers, right? He was the quarterback, right, Melvin? Correct. And very good player, uh, very good player. And um, he decided one day to stand, not stand, but to sit during the national anthem, sit on a bench during the national anthem. And I actually brought up the article from when that was. It was the game, the preseason game that they uh, played with the Green Bay Packers. And this was his quote. It says, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football. It would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid, leave and getting away with murder. And so, um, of course, the, you know, the 49ers released the statement. The national anthem is always will always be a special part of the preseason ceremony. It's an opportunity to honor our country, reflect on the great liberties we are afforded as its citizens and respecting such American principles as freedom and religion expression. We recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in our celebration of the national anthem. And of course, the NFL released a statement saying players are encouraged but not required to stand during the playing of the national anthem. So that is the initial, that's the initial thing that started back in 2016. So, um, of course, this had many, everybody remembers this. If you watch TV, you know what this, what happened. A lot of people started to burn his um, jersey. Um, people felt like he was being disrespectful to our country. He was being disrespectful to our troops. And there was one particular um, veteran, and he was part of the Green Bar- he was part of the Green Beret um, unit, and I think he also played in the NFL, NFL as well, but his name was Nate Boyer, B-O-Y-E-R. He wrote an open letter to Colin Kaepernick, and basically, um, and I remember reading it a couple of years back, and basically expressing how he felt like he was being disrespectful. And so Colin then reached out, and this is, I'm getting this information from an actual interview that Nate Bauer actually had. And he actually said that Colin reached out to him and asked to meet with him. They then met together and he, um, they had a conversation. 
And Colin had the opportunity to express to him for one that I res- I appreciate your uh, service and also to say, hey, look, this is why I'm doing what I am doing. It has nothing to do with the troops. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to, it, it, like, just like what he said, this is bigger than football, you know, and we do live in a country where something has to happen. Some awareness needs to be brought to this. And in his power, he felt like this was the way that he could do it. Well, with all of that, Nate started to say, hey, you know what? I kind of understand why you're, why, why you can feel the way that you feel. You know, something does need to be done about this. And in that, he suggested to Colin, hey, uh, it's still disrespectful to Stan. What about if you kneel? And he gave him the, uh, he gave him the um, example of like, we kneel to pray. We kneel to um, when our fallen soldier has um, died, we kneel at his graveside. And so maybe that would be more respectful. And Colin actually thought that was a great compromise. Hence, when he started to kneel. Yeah. I think that shows. Did you have some more? No, I didn't want to get too wordy, but I did want to like yeah. paint the picture so we can have the facts. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's all you can do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Is have dialogue, but the dialogue can't start with. Um, and I think where the problem is coming in at is on both on, on any side of the issue, you can't start by just dogging Colin Kaepernick out. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the man said a million times, like, hey, this is not about uh, the troops and the flag and whatever else. And the the gentleman who you mentioned, all he could do is go and talk to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. But it's the same way in the reverse, right? Because... While that guy was, because um, I remember um, him being interviewed even before he talked to Colin Kaepernick, you know, even when he was saying, you know, is disrespectful, and he's and his point was, I don't have a problem with, I agree that, you know, there shouldn't be any injustice in America, and we should care about that, but I just don't agree with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, if if there's not going to be any. Uh, conversation there's not going to be any growth if automatically I look at this guy and I'm like no you're racist and you don't um, you know you don't care about this that and the other it took both of them to be like let's talk and let's see what what each other's point is let's Mm -hmm. let's talk about it and at the end of the day Colin Kaepernick walked away with a deeper understanding of Uh how people could feel about what he was doing yes and vice versa that gentleman walked away with a deeper respect and understanding for what Colin Kaepernick was doing that's right there didn't have to be any compromise there Mm -hmm. but I think there was only because that conversation yeah and I think if we did that way more um you know we would that's how we could grow but instead everybody is so busy uh, discounting the other person's feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, as a black man, I'm automatically, uh, feel more, 
Um, you know, I can definitely relate to the things that Colin Kaepernick is talking about. Now, he himself may have never been the victim of police brutality, you know what I mean, or or anything like that. But he has empathy just, you know, a lot of times being a person of color, man, even if you don't realize it, you're going through like you living in a different America. And but and I can't expect anybody to understand that if you don't live through it point blank but um you know it's easy for me to understand where Colin Kaepernick is coming from I definitely have been the victim of varying degrees of police brutality but I have to also make the effort on the flip side to understand why somebody would be upset now sometimes it just is you know it does come down to a a a thing about race but sometimes people are genuinely like I have to go into it, giving them the benefit of the doubt first off yeah. um, so that we can have a conversation. But the thing that I can't say is, you know, not being, you know, I can't just make it that snap judgment. And I've heard this. And just to be real, man, like the thing that I do struggle with is and I and I have heard like good people, man, like people who I know who are like you know, righteous, good people uh, just make these sweeping statements like racism doesn't exist anymore. This is not a big problem. And these are white people. um, And I mean, even some black people, but racism is not a problem and this, that, and the other. And my whole point is it's not a problem for you, even black. If you haven't, you, you can't speak for everybody else's reality. And, it would be very foolish to think that in like we look at at slavery, you know, however many hundred years ago. But, you know, your, our parents were born during Jim Crow days, like or at least not schools weren't integrated, you know. So, I mean, it, it, it would be very hard to to believe that everything is just hunky dory now. But anyway, let's listen to this uh uh, okay. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Stay that way. Because what non believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult, it's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest runner in your school or the fastest in the world. Be the fastest ever. Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing yours. Don't settle for homecoming queen or linebacker. Do both. Lose 120 pounds and become an Ironman after beating a brain tumor. I like the fact that it's... uh, Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. If you're born a refugee, don't let it stop you from playing soccer for the national team at age 16. Don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. When they talk about the greatest team in the history of the sport, Make sure it's your team. 
If you have only one hand, don't just watch football. Play at the highest level. And if you're a girl from Compton, don't just become a tennis player. Become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. So don't Great. ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. You know what? I mean, I watched this live when it aired, and I thought it was cheesy, but this actually is pretty daggone good, man. I don't it know. is. Maybe I'm just a hater. It, it, it is good. <laughs> it I was mean, good. It was emotional. It, yes. It's like multicultural. You see men and women. You see kids. You see people who have overcome a lot of odds. They had, for those who haven't seen it, there's a little boy that is wrestling, doesn't have legs. You got the guy that plays football that has one arm, people playing basketball in wheelchairs. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, you got to get over it. You got to get over your, your hangups, man. Like, because at the end of the day, even if you don't agree with anything that uh, Colin Kaepernick is saying, um, if you don't agree with his, first, you got to make a decision. Do you not agree with what he's saying or do you not agree with his methods? Because the thing that has confused me is like, okay, let's say you don't agree with his methods. The man is out of football. Like he has suffered the consequences of his, of his stand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you shouldn't care anymore. Now he's out of football. He ain't kneeling for the national anthem anymore. So now why don't I hear anybody talking about the bigger issue? Yeah. Because it's, you, you can't, and it's not just black and white. And that's the thing that ticks me off so bad, man. And it is not like this is what what I don't want to say the government, but this is what people do to like. And this is historical, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you think like if we look back at slavery days, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can juxtapose or you could compare slavery, the environment of slavery to the environment now. Um, in this way, like with the immigration thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, for a while there, immigration, they were saying like, people are, the immigrants are coming over here and taking your jobs. They don't say that anymore, but that was the whole thing, you know? Like they're taking jobs and they're this, that, and the other. Um, and they created this narrative to control people, right? To get people to not think about their situations, um, in, in slavery times, the argument was opposite. Like you had the people who fought and died for slavery were not these rich plantation owners, a very small percentage of people benefited in the South benefited from slavery, super small. The majority of people, slavery was a bad thing for them. Um, because think about it. I am Henry peanut farmer mm -hmm. and you know, I came over here with the first wave of Americans and I made my way down south and I'm growing peanuts. And then, and you know, I got a little good peanut farm. We're not rich or nothing, but we are supporting ourselves and we are, you know, we're making things happen. We're the peanut guys. And then this, this, this millionaire comes down from wherever 
And he buys a big old plot of land, clears it out, and he goes and, because he's rich, he goes and grabs a bunch of people from Africa, free labor, and now he is able to produce way more peanuts than I can. Mm -hmm. He is able to sell his peanuts at a way cheaper cost. And so now me, Henry Peanut Farmer, I forget what I called his name, but Henry the Peanut Farmer that just had a labor force of his 10 kids, um, is now he is out of business yep. because he can't compete with this guy. And that is what slavery did to the common uh, man in, in, in the South. It was not a good thing, but, you know, you get people, and those guys ended up being like, pretty much like the first sharecroppers. And then after slavery, the slaves became sharecroppers. Mm -hmm. And now the white guys couldn't even be sharecroppers. So these things were never good for the people in, in the South. But they ended up fighting and dying and still today support a lot of the things that are bad or detrimental to them. And the way that people in power stay in power is they create these divides. So you southerner who has just gotten displaced out of your farmer by some guy by playing by different rules they make you fight for your own oppression because they say at least you're not this black guy mm -hmm. you're better than him mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with this police brutality where i grew up it was like not even one percent black like not even one percent black but there still was police brutality and there still was crooked cops and it was not all black people that was getting it. Like they get these poor people who didn't have the same voice and you get two people that get in trouble. The poor uh, white guy will get, you know, I don't know, you know, some crazy sentence while this guy whose parents got connections just gets off scot-free. I've seen it all the time, man. And But we buy this narrative that can divide us that like, Police brutality is is just this thing black people are making up. Police brutality and improper policing is bad for all parties involved. Good cops suffer because of that. Good cops lose their lives. What happened in Dallas? Mm -hmm. There were good police officers that died. And it is predicated by bad policing. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it makes an environment that can make this mentally unstable guy uh, have a reason. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And attach himself. And it just creates this bad environment. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it, it it's a... That that just makes me so angry just to see the whole... The, the racial part of it. But anyway. So, I guess the next thing that we should address then is... This silent protest that Colin Kaepernick is going through, you know, and let's get some perspective, some biblical perspective, too, with it. Because at, at first glance, I think people can think or we all can think, oh, this is this privileged, rich NFL player. Um, what does he know? He's, I mean, isn't he like biracial? I think that was something that yep. came up one time. Like you're, you know, you weren't, you know, I remember seeing some commentary where somebody had made a comment, like, you know, you were raised by 
Caucasian people. So what do you know? Why are yeah, you? Yeah, he was adopted. And yeah. White and people were feeling like he was just jumping on the bandwagon at first. And clearly at this point, if he had jumped on the bandwagon, it, he would have been done jumped off by now because he has definitely... He it's not like he was a little scrub of a football player. He was a good football player, a starting quarterback. And so, um, did he win it? Didn't he go to the final? Uh, he went the, to the Super Bowl, it, went to three uh, conference championships. So, he ain't no little scrub, okay? So, uh, he put his job on the line and has not been working, okay? So, anyways, I want to bring up a story in, in parallel this because – I guess the question that we that's out there now is taking a stand for something against you know when when nobody else sees sees it. Would you word it that way? Yeah. Or and just taking a stand for something. Yeah. And being willing to get lose it all. Basically yeah. the sentiment of that that commercial. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to read this story. I will paraphrase it, but it is Daniel chapter three and um, it is entitled uh, Rescue from a Furious King. Nebuchadnezzar demands worship. So the king at this time was this man called Nebuchadnezzar. And he was Babylonian. And um, I think they, um, he, he had in, uh, constructed this 90 foot gold statue of himself. And he commanded, like made a decree for everyone to worship it. Well, there were three Jews who were named, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And some of you guys may definitely, you know, may definitely uh, know this story. But um, they they worshiped the Lord and not Nebuchadnezzar. And um, they were part of his, I think, his court. And I want to say someone, a part of the court was trying, went and basically told on them and told Nebuchadnezzar that they were not worshiping this statue. Nebuchadnezzar gets mad because he had made this decree that if you did not worship this, uh, this statue, you would get thrown in a fiery furnace. And so he brought them in. He asked them, is this true that you're not, you know, worshiping me? And their response, which is a very good response. I will read this. So over in chapter 16, it, I mean, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from, from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And then clearly this made Nebuchadnezzar like, furious and so mad and rageful that he actually ordered that the furnace be turned up 70 times its heat. And so he ordered the soldiers to go throw them in. The fire was so hot 
that as the soldiers were throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, the flames came out and burned up the soldiers who threw them in. And so, okay, these three men, they're in this furnace. Nebuchadnezzar is sitting there with his advisors and he says, wait, didn't we throw three bound men into there because they had tied their hands in their feet and his advisor said yes we we threw them in there and he was like well I see four and it looks like they're walking around and so then he ordered for them to he ordered them to come out he was like y'all um Shadrach Meshach and Abednego y'all come out and when they came out of the furnace walked out of the furnace right they were not burned. They were not singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. And basically an angel from God was in there protecting them. And at that point, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he ends up, he ends up, uh, uh making a declaration. He says, um, let me find it. Let me find it. He said, uh, excuse me, guys. He praises God. He says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and while and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses would be turned into heaps of rubble there is no god no other god who can rescue like this then the king promoted shadrach meshach and abednego to even higher positions in the province of babylon so i read this passage because as i think about what's going on to me when i think of these situations and what they have in common is there's a group of people or person who believes in something and has a conviction in something. And instead of going along with what the majority may think or going the safe route, you know, they decide to stand firm in what their conviction is. And in this story, the three Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they I mean, their turnaround was quick. You know, they got thrown in the fire. It didn't work. They came out and all of this probably happened within a matter of like hours. You know, Colin Kaepernick, on the other hand, it's been years that's going on. And I could say he is probably in his still in his furnace, you know. Um, but Melvin, me and Melvin were kind of chatting beforehand and we were talking about just this idea of group thinking and versus the individual thinking. And some people may think that we're, you may think that this is a stretch to kind of pair these two stories together. But I, for me, I'm going to be quite honest with you. The reason, I mean, he clear Kaepernick, Kaepernick clearly has stated why he's doing what he's doing. Okay, there is an injustice going on. And I would say nobody can dispute that. If you're honest, nobody can dispute that. There have been some inappropriate things that have happened that have led to deaths. And there have been people on file who have had paid leave and have come right back to work. That's fact. That is a fact. 
Okay. And I appreciate the fact that somebody of his stature who doesn't have to say anything used his platform and he had a safe life. He was, well, like I said, he, like Melvin said, he was not a scrub. He could have gone on and did the safe route, but instead he used his platform and use it to bring awareness. And that's what I'm looking. And before I add, uh, uh, let Melvin chime in here, I want to read another scripture, very short scripture. It's Proverbs 31 verses eight and nine. And I had it, but I lost it. So hold on. Give me one second, guys. I'm almost there. And here we go. And it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. And to me, this is directly pointing to what's going on here. And um, going back to the story in Daniel, you know, having a conviction and standing in that Whatever you are, um, not sitting the fence, but standing firm in what your decision is. So sorry that I kind of dominated there, but I know I got a little wordy, but come no. on and chime on in, Melvin. Yeah, um, I, I do think that scripture is uh, very appropriate for this, um, maybe for a little bit. Uh, not a different reason, but even for more of a reason. Again, like I said, I think speaking in the context of the commercial itself, um, just this idea of being willing to suffer for doing good. You know, I think biblically that is a sentiment that's all through the Bible. Um, you, you know, you can just flip through the letters and you the suffering yeah you'll hear it a thousand times mm -hmm. Romans as we know uh that those who love God all things work for the good uh work for good for those who are called according to his purpose um indeed uh all who desire who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will will be persecuted this is 2 Timothy 312 I'll I'll drop these in the description um it go, you know, Peter, uh, and after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory him, will himself restore you, restore, confirm, str strengthen, and establish you. Like, I literally can just go through and read a thousand just snippets of scriptures that talk about suffering, what happens after suffering, what comes out of suffering. To expect um, it. And to, to expect it whenever you, because inevitably when you are when you make a decision to stand for something there will be opposition and there will be in even if the opposition isn't people just things you know what i mean like at, as a christian i know you know there may be times where like i gotta sacrifice my time i gotta sacrifice my and that may not be big to somebody else but that may be big for me i have to um you know, money, it may be money. I can't make, I, I can't, my money is not just mine to be free with. Mm. You know, Kimberly and I both have good, decent jobs, 
we have good jobs. But the level of life that we could live, we don't live because we have, you know, our money is, is there are more important things with us to do for our money, with our money than just live it up. Now, I'm not saying we, uh, you know, just are, you know, not doing anything, but I don't want to paint that picture. But at the end of the day, doing good and doing the right thing always takes some type of sacrifice and suffering. But sometimes it's those extra points, like where she read with Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where you are are you willing to stand on your principles even if it means losing everything um and that's something we all have to ask ourselves like you know are we willing to stand on our principles in in this and what are you doing to show that like if you are let's say you have you you are upset about this commercial or, or upset about Colin Kaepernick because you feel like that you know it's disrespectful to the troops. Well, then what are you doing to change how our troops are treated? Because there's other areas. It's very easy to hop on Facebook or on Twitter and type a bunch of stuff down and burn your Nikes and do all that kind of stuff. But that costs nothing except you burning some shoes, but it costs nothing from you personally. Like, what do you, if you believe that strongly in something, what are you doing to change the tide? Because, man, there's some soldiers, they need help. You know what I mean? They need an advocate. They don't just need you. You're not going to you're not doing anything for the guy who came back from Iraq. Wife's gone and his mind is forever warped, lost the arm. You're not doing your burning Nikes ain't doing a flipping thing for him. A police officer who's like working double overtime shifts and risking his life every day, um, you you're not doing nothing for him with that, and vice versa. If you are going hard for Colin Kaepernick and you believe like police brutality is wrong and it's a problem, like don't nobody care about your Twitter outrage. Yeah. It's not doing anything. You're not doing anything to help. What are you doing to remedy the problem? Uh, if you're not part of the solution you part of the problem like all this arguing and going back and forth that's that's cheap that's called that's just cheap activism get out there and and do something that is that'll make a difference and as a christian you know we are supposed to understand that like this battle is not a flesh and blood Mm -hmm. the flesh and blood is between uh uh you know, it's in the spiritual realm. You know what I mean? This is a spiritual battle. The answer to all of these problems are is not me protesting and it's not me whatever. I'm not saying knocking that in any way. And sometimes protest is necessary. But ultimately, as a disciple, as a Christian, we have to um, always be concerned with the deeper the, the the more permanent solution and we have to have spiritual eyes. So that's what that, that scripture talks talks to me. And that's a sacrifice, right? Because um as a disciple, you're concerned with all parties involved. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? You're concerned with everybody involved. Not not every uh, person who died was because of race. And some of it was because of, probably 90% of it wasn't because of, like, prejudice. I won't say because of rape, but because of prejudice. It was because of fear. And a split-second decision driven off of fear, there are a lot of lives that are forever changed. And if this police officer is a is truly a good police officer and truly a good guy who just acted off of fear, it doesn't matter that he didn't go to jail. He is going to be forever. If he, in his heart, looks and is like, let's say the guy with... Uh, what was it? Was it Mike Brown? The the guy with um that got choked in uh, New York. Um, oh, I just had his name. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I can look it up. I can't remember his name, but Sean. No, uh-uh. I can't remember his name, but you know, let's say that that police officer realizes that what he because because it was wrong. He nobody was meant to die. Either he's a cold-blooded murderer and he choked that guy to death on purpose, or he just got overzealous and there's a guy dead. And even if he got his job and he got all that, there, he, he's going to have, like this, everybody's life is ruined. Everybody's life is messed up. Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner. Everybody's life is messed up. And as a Christian, we have to feel broken for all of that because, like, that, the devil was just trying to get notches in his belt all across across this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and that, like, when I he, read, hear that scripture, it really just brings me back into focus into, like, what am I doing? Like, how what am I doing to, like, I, I may not even be called to, it ain't even costing me my job to go out and, and, talk bring spirituality to people mm-hmm. maybe it will but it's not like 90 percent of us it, it doesn't cost us near that much we sacrifice way less so what are we doing and that's the question i had to ask i gotta ask myself is like what am i doing with all these strong feelings that i have what am i doing in response to that yeah what am i what am i, I it's not even calling me to risk it all so before even get into risking it all what am I doing? Period. If I have a feeling about any of these things, what what is my part? Just commentating on it or typing or whatever, you mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how I feel. And I've said it before, injustice is injustice, you know? And, you know, as I was sitting here just Googling, trying to jog my memory of the um, name of Eric Gardner, um there were a whole bunch of names that popped up and they weren't black people. (laughs) They weren't all black people, you know, and you know, there are, and, and I want to make this very clear. Okay. Because I've had this conversation with many different people and I'll give the example. We've all had good teachers and we've all had bad teachers, but that good teacher has made probably an impact on you that probably outshadows a lot of the bad teachers. But then again, you could have had a bad teacher who who could probably ruin your whole school. It could outshadow, overshadow, I mean, your uh, view of school in general. And it's the same thing with any profession. You got 
good and you got bad apples, you know, and it's the same thing with police officers. So one of the things that I hate when I hear people say like, oh, I stand with the police. Well, yeah, we do need to stand with the police, but we also need to make sure also these are the people that are responsible to protect us. So we do need to make sure that the best and the most capable people are doing that and that they're getting the training and the resources that they need to be able to police properly and efficiently. And that goes for anything. I am a nurse practitioner. If a doctor were to kill somebody, like, you know, there will be a lawsuit and he will be going to jail. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, why do we make concessions? Just like we hold other professions to a standard, we need to hold this to a standard as well, you know? And it could be like Melvin said, it could be that this police officer is scared, you know, or fearful. Well, then that has to ask, why is this, why is this police officer fearful? Are they understaffed? Do they feel like they were outnumbered? Why are they outnumbered? Did they not, be, were they not able to get back up? You know what I'm saying? Um, when he went through the academy, when she went through the academy, cause it's men and, or women, you know, were they, were they taught how to properly de-escalate situations? You know, these conversations should happen and they should happen on an ongoing basis. And that's where I feel like there's been a, uh, a, a, a brushing off, like, you know, to me. Yeah, man. I, let's just keep it real. Like, I feel like nowadays, man, like we're like, it's like tribalism. You know what I'm saying? Like we are, we are in this, these groups and, and like, all I can do is speak for the standard of, of like Christians. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you know, that's not supposed to, we are, we supposed to be in a tribe. It's supposed to be a tribe of Christ. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I daily see people who support the most ridiculous things because it's aligns with their political party or whatever, mm-hmm. whether it's, I mean, just some of the craziest actions and they put, and they will explain it away, whether it is, you know, I try not to, I try to be apolitical on here, so, but it don't matter. Whatever it is, we all know, man. You could turn on Facebook and, and people are, like, for, for the, the president, let's say Barack Obama. There were people who all they wanted to do was see Barack Obama fail. Mm-hmm. They didn't care about any, at the, the so the people who say they love America, I just, they, they just want to see him fail. Mm-hmm. regardless. And on the opposite side, people who want to see him win regardless, but people who just were praying for his downfall, like in, and we allowed like in the government, we just allowed people to just fight against common sense things like the healthcare thing. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Like there was no type of healthcare. Let's say Obamacare wasn't good. Wasn't the best thing. There wasn't anything until then. And so you got people just want to see him fail. And then on the flip side, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. there are people who just want to see him fail. Like they, it don't matter good or bad. 
I, they will never say they just want to see him fail. Mm-hmm. Neither way is is good. And just like I complained, you know, I, I voted for Obama, but just like I complained about, uh, you know, people just going against the president, then I still feel like it's wrong now. And I feel like it's wrong to support everything. You can support the office of the president. You can support leaders. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, I believe biblically you you should support your leaders. Mm-hmm. But look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. They worked for the king. They worked. They were employed by the king. Yeah. When it came time to make a decision mm-hmm. about my faith or my political allegiance, I'm going to go with my faith every time. And I don't think we live in that climate. I think we are easily swayed. And I'm talking about some of the most, like, you know, in our regular lives, righteous people that I've ever, that I know. Mm -hmm. Um, I see some of the craziest stuff, man. And, and it's not Republicans or Democrats. It's everybody, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, But, Anyway, it, it is, I think, if there's anything that I can can take away from this conversation and the conversations we had is that, like, you got to try really hard to, you got to look at yourself, first mm-hmm. off. Like, when you, you know, this whole Colin Kaepernick thing, I think there is something to be taken away from it, and it, it we can reflect, like, what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we, what do we believe in enough that we're willing to give it all for? Mm-hmm. And... Number two, what what are we really? Mm-hmm. Are we Christians who who happen to be born in America? Are we Americans who happen to be Christians? Oh, that's a good question. You know what I mean? Yeah, it that's can't a good be question. Both it can't you mm-hmm. can't be, you you died to yourself. American yeah. black Melvin died. Yeah, I'm supposed to be raised in new. That don't mean I don't have a concern for the things mm-hmm. that's going on around me, mm-hmm. but I have to first approach it from my new identity as a disciple. And the scripture says this ain't our home anyway. So right. we're aliens in a foreign land. And, you know, just to give, um, you gave, you know, those are good questions. I want to give a challenge. So we talked a lot about group thinking and, individual thinking. And I want to challenge everyone uh, to, when it comes to not just only this situation, but any situation in life, you know, and we got them all around us at work, you know, there may be an employee, uh, an employee or a coworker of yours that probably nobody likes in the office. You know, are you going along with the crowd because everybody doesn't like this person or have you actually invested in trying to get to know this person? You know, um, even in our churches, you know, we're all flawed individuals. None of us are perfect. So we're going to get it wrong. You know, church is like a hospital. So you're going to have people in there that's going to be, you know, wrong of some things. Are there ideas that you just go along with? And you know in your heart that's wrong or anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, I challenge us all to 
take some time in when you're faced with these opportunities, take time to actually think for yourself, get your facts, do your research, just like I did today. You know, I got on here and I made sure that I wasn't speaking from opinion. I wanted to see the progression of everything before I can take a stance. Challenge yourself to not sit the fence on things and to be firm and stand firm in what, whatever you believe. And lastly, I want to give just a... And, Lastly, for me, I'll let you ring in after I finish sharing this, but um, I want to bring light to at the end of the day, whether you agree or don't agree with what um, Colin Kaepernick is doing. One thing we can all agree is that this is a silent protest. And I think sometimes we as people, because we're actually going through the situation, living through the situation, we can separate it from other things that are like it that have happened in the past. So what I wanted to do is read, just give examples of other examples in history of silent protests. So we can, because that's really what he's doing. He's not forcing, he's doing it by himself and, and being peaceful in it. So another, um, Another form of, uh, another example would be, um, give me one second. I'm bringing up the list. The March is on, uh, Washington. And this is when the famous speech, I have a dream was preached, um, given that was a silent, peaceful protest. Also, um, the multiple sit-ins that happened all over during the civil rights movement, people, um, African-Americans weren't able to sit, go and sit at the counters in the restaurants. And so they went in and they sat at the counter. There was no violence. There was violence that was forced upon them, but they themselves were coached and prepared and taught to, to just be peaceful and quiet. Another example, the Montgomery bus boycotts. This happened after the situation with Rosa Parks happened and people stopped riding the bus because people were African-Americans were the ones who were the main riders. Um, two other ones that are not African-American is Gandhi, the Gandhi hunger strikes. And he did 17 fasts throughout his life to bring awareness of the plight of his fellow Indians. Um, also, lastly, Cesar Chavez. This was the Delano grape strike. And um, they were trying to just ask for fair wages. They were not getting the federal minimum wage. And um, after over more than five years, these farmers were able to get to bargain at, with an agreement for thousands of farm workers. So these are all examples of silent and in peaceful protest. And this is no different. This is no different. And if you think about it, these people met resistance too. You know, I think about those sit-ins and these people had coffee thrown on them, hot coffee. They had food thrown in their faces. Uh, the boycott, the bus boycott, buses were burned for the Freedom Riders and all this stuff. 
things were done to them, but they themselves were peaceful and quiet. So that's it. That's all I got there. Melvin, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else really. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is a, a hot, a highly charged thing. Um, my cha- my only challenge, like I said, man, is just take yourself out of uh, all of these situations. Take um, like let's give each other the benefit of the doubt, and and talk to people. You know what I mean? If you know somebody who is on the thinks the opposite you do on whatever it is, then have to f- forget this situation. Whatever the situation is, you should not just seek. Like we live in a world today where, like. The majority of people get their news from Facebook. Mm. Um, and it's funny because you, Facebook is designed to give you exactly what you want to hear. So, like, the things that you look at, the things you look up, like, there's an algorithm yeah. that it feeds in things you like, the things, whatever, and then that is what you see. And so... If that if if you look at your phone all day and you're just seeing things uh, that f- support your line of thinking, and then you go and you watch news that only supports your line of thinking, then you talk to people and your friends only supports your line of thinking, you you are going to be very short sighted, and you don't do any extra research. There's no historical. Uh, data gathered and you also don't go out and talk to anybody else you you if that's what if i'm explaining your existence then you're wrong whatever it is your opinion is you're wrong and i can say it without a doubt because all you're doing is you're ignorant in on a whole other half of the world yeah. you you're ignorant and so you can't be um, fully informed. And so you can't be right about whatever it is that you're thinking. And so what the challenge is, is go out and find people who think opposite of you and have civil dialogue. Just talk about it. Don't come at it uh, from an aggressive point of view, but just sit down and have conversations. One of the people I respect the most in this world has a completely opposite political view for me completely opposite and the funny thing about it is I knew this guy for probably about three years before I even knew this about him like we just talked and so if but who knows if I would have known that if he'd have led with that I don't know if we would have gotten as close as we did because I would have prejudged him for sure and it's all on him because he knew where I was coming from and he still loved me and talked to me and you know we're excellent friends man we're good friends and uh that's that's my challenge um for for you other than anything else i said is just man take advantage man go out and find people who who don't think like you think and 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 learn why so that you can be well informed but that's it that's all you got that's all i got boo 
All right, guys. And so thank you guys for tuning in yet again with us. We definitely appreciate you. Please follow us on the uh, Soul Sense Podcast at Soul Sense Podcast for on Instagram. And we are now live on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. The Soul Sense Podcast as well. And we will catch you guys later. This is Kim, my trusty wingman Melvin, and we're out of here. Pace. Wow.